of our denomination and a uh, historic uh, standard of uh, Presbyterianism uh, throughout our, our tradition. And the Catechism asks us, how is Christ exalted by sitting at the right hand of God? Sitting at the right hand of God exalts Christ as the God-man. He is advanced to the highest favor with God the Father, with all joy, glory, and power of this position over all things in heaven and earth. There, Christ gathers and defends his church, subdues her enemies, provides his ministers and people with gifts and graces, and intercedes for them. And you will note the scripture passages upon which that teaching from the catechism is based. Now let us ask the Lord's blessing upon the reading and hearing of his holy word. Our gracious Father, we give you thanks that in your goodness you have provided your word written in scripture for our instruction and our edification. We pray the blessing of your Holy Spirit upon us afresh to open our minds that we might have spiritual understanding of your word, the promises of your gospel. Open our hearts that we might be willing to receive your promises. And enable our souls, we pray, by your grace, to respond in true faith and thereby to live as more faithful disciples of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. The Word of God, from the Acts of the Apostles, it is written. In the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. And to his name be all praise, honor, and glory. Amen. He ascended 
into heaven. The ascension of Jesus Christ is an essential aspect of his great work of salvation for us. Right along with his virgin birth, his sinless life, his substitutionary sacrifice on the cross, and his resurrection from the dead. It's as important as each of those. In the church calendar this coming Thursday is the day of ascension, 40 days after Resurrection Sunday. And therefore, we call today Ascension Sunday. In the book of Acts, Luke tells us that Jesus, after his resurrection, appeared to his apostles during a 40-day period in which he, quote, presented himself alive to them by many proofs, speaking about the kingdom of God, preparing his apostles for their worldwide mission. Jesus said to his apostles, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And then Luke tells us, when Jesus had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. He was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. But let's understand, Jesus' ascension was not merely, not merely his exit from this earth. This was not simply, not simply the way in which our hero made his dramatic departure at the end of the story. For one thing, the ascension wasn't the end of the story. And for another thing, we must not think of the ascension of Jesus as though it were merely his supernatural departure by which he traveled somewhere way, 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 way up there, far, far, far away from us. Jesus' ascension into heaven would be incredible, unbelievable, fantastical if it really were a matter of Jesus' body going up, up, up through the atmosphere, through the stratosphere, beyond outer space, beyond the planets, beyond Pluto to a place way, way, way up there. But Jesus' ascension into heaven does not does not, does not mean that his body became a human rocket ship. That's not the point at all. You can't get there from here that way. Okay? Heaven is not a place far, far, far away, way, way up, up there. Heaven is another dimension. It is real. We can say that it is a place as long as we understand that it is not far away. It's right here, all around us. We just can't see it. It is a place hidden from our eyes. It is another dimension. And in between us and the heavenly realm, there is a veil. 
Now, there have been a few times when, for a very particular purpose, the veil has been pulled back. And particular people, for a particular reason, have had a glimpse of heaven. For example, the prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus, was worshiping in the temple in Jerusalem on this earth when suddenly the veil was pulled back. And Isaiah tells us, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and His train filled the temple, the temple in heaven. Above Him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two He covered His face. With two He covered His feet. With two He flew. And one called to the other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And Isaiah the prophet cried out, Woe is me, I am lost. I am undone. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah saw heaven. And he didn't have to travel through space to get there. In the book of the Revelation, the Apostle John tells us that he was on the island of Patmos because he had been exiled and imprisoned there, and that he was, quote, in the Spirit on the Lord's day, Sunday, the first day of the week, the day on which Jesus rose from the dead. He was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. He was worshiping on Sunday there in his prison cell, and he tells us, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands was one like a son of man clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters." In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. While he was in prison on the island of Patmos, John saw into heaven. And it scared him to death. He saw Jesus Christ in His glory at the right hand of God the Father. But He didn't have to travel through space to get there. Heaven is not far away. It's all around us. We just can't see it. Because there's a veil between heaven and earth because we could not now bear to see the glory which is yet to be revealed. It would destroy us. So what's the point? The point is, please don't be worried with questions such as, how far did Jesus go up in the air? The scripture says that he was lifted up. So there was a physical elevation. But you know, even before his resurrection, (laughs) he walked on water. Remember that? And after his resurrection, he appeared suddenly to his apostles, seemingly out of nowhere. Remember that? So both before his resurrection and after, Jesus demonstrated his power over the laws of physical nature. But that's not the point here. 
There's something even more important going on here. The apostles saw him lifted up and they knew. They knew that this physical ascension, which they saw with their eyes, was revealing to them like a visual aid. It was revealing to them something which ultimately they would not be able to see. Namely, Jesus' exaltation to the throne at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. The point was not physical elevation, but rather spiritual elevation. The physical elevation was simply a sign or a symbol of the spiritual reality. They saw Jesus being exalted far above all power and authority in heaven and on earth. And then when the scripture says that a cloud hid him from their sight, it's not giving us a weather report. You know, as though Luke said, well, you know, it was partly cloudy that day, and as Jesus went up, he went into a cloud, and then the apostles couldn't see him anymore. That's not it. That is not it. That cloud was the cloud of God's glory. In the Old Testament, it was called the Shekinah, the presence of God's glory. It was the same cloud of God's holy presence that protected the Israelites and led them out of Egypt, cloud by day. It was the cloud of glory which covered Mount Sinai when the Lord gave his law to Moses. It was the cloud of glory, the glory of God's presence which descended and filled the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, when God met with Moses in the wilderness. It was the cloud of the glory of God which filled the temple in Jerusalem when its construction was completed and the Ark of the Covenant was placed in the Holy of Holies. It was the cloud of the glorious presence of God which overshadowed Peter, James, and John there on the Mount of Transfiguration when they saw Jesus' body filled with heavenly light and heard the voice of God the Father speaking from that cloud saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And it was the cloud of glory on which the Son of Man, the divine human judge, Jesus Christ, will come again in power to bring his kingdom in all its fullness to earth when he comes to judge the living and the dead, just as the angels assured the apostles as Jesus was ascending into heaven. So the real point is that by this literal, physical elevation of Jesus and his being taken out of sight in a cloud, the apostles saw that Jesus was entering into his glory. Exalted to the right hand of God the Father Almighty, enthroned in heaven with the name that is above. Above. Get that point? Above every name. Now, the question becomes, what does that mean to you? Why is that important? To you. First of all, Jesus' ascension into heaven and his exaltation at the right hand of God the Father Almighty guarantees, secures all the promises of God for the eternal salvation of his people. Jesus is there for you. 
bad things, sad things can, may, and do happen in this fallen world. But they cannot and do not happen apart from the sovereign lordship of Jesus Christ over, listen to that language, over all things. If you are in Christ through faith, even those bad and sad things will be worked together for your good. That's his promise and he guarantees it because he's at the right hand of God the Father Almighty for you. You know, a tyrant is able to separate your head from your body. But a tyrant cannot separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, who died for you. More than that, who was raised. More than that, is at the right hand of God, interceding for you. Think of that grand conclusion to the great eighth chapter of Romans. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. Anywhere. Anytime. For all eternity. Because Christ is at the right hand of God the Father. Secondly, though his kingdom has not yet come in all its fullness and glory in this fallen world, nevertheless, it is in effect. Christ is ruling over this world. Though this fallen world and the demonic powers of the spiritual realm are continually in rebellion against the kingship of Jesus Christ, we see it every day. The unbelieving world does not want to submit to the kingship of Jesus Christ. Every day, this fallen world wages war against the king of heaven. But Psalm 2 says, He who sits in the heavens laughs. He who sits in the heavens laughs, laughs to derision those who rebel against him. The one and only true and living God has set his beloved son on the throne of heaven and no one, no earthly power, no demonic power can or ever will dethrone him. 1 Corinthians 15, 25 says that Jesus Christ will reign on his heavenly throne until he puts all his enemies under his feet. And he's doing that. A war is raging, yes, but Jesus Christ is on the throne. He is working out his purposes in history and throughout history. And he is bringing and will bring his kingdom in all its fullness and glory and nothing, no power on earth or from hell can stop him. Now this is the question. Do we believe this? Do you? Because I know that right now 
we seem to be witnessing a precipitous decline of true biblical Christianity in America, as has already taken place drastically in Europe, including Great Britain, Canada. And so, you know, we we tend to get a little bit nervous about this. But look, were it not for the reality of Jesus' ascension into heaven and his exaltation at the right hand of God the Father, you know, we might have a good reason. Were it not for this reality, we would have good reason to be depressed and despairing about the way things seem to be going, which, by the way, is exactly what the enemy wants. The world and the devil want us to believe that all is lost. But he who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. You remember that terrifying image of the glorified Christ which the Apostle John saw in his vision of heaven? His eyes were like flaming fire. He is the one to whom every man and woman must give account. He is the one whose kingdom is forever. He is the one who holds his redeemed elect in the sovereign power of his nail-scarred hand. And he says to us who trust in him, fear not. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. His kingdom endures forever. The scripture assures us of Christ's ultimate and final victory over all his enemies when it tells us that Jesus Christ has been seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that can be named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Now you just think about when the Apostle Paul wrote that letter to the Ephesians, from which I just read, Ephesians 1.21, in the 50s, you know, above every name that can be named. Well, you know the name that was supposedly above every name when Paul wrote that? Caesar. Caesar. Well, where is Caesar now? And where is Jesus Christ? Why is Jesus' ascension into heaven so important to you? Because if you are in Christ, in union with him through faith, it is the ultimate assurance that your sins are forgiven and will never be held against you. Never. Jesus offered up himself for us as the atoning sacrifice for all our sins, but now, risen from the dead, he stands as our great high priest in the presence of God the Father. His wounds, now glorified in heaven, 
eternally testify that He has paid the price for all your sins. And God the Father has promised that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. No tongue can bid me thence depart. As our great high priest, Jesus, continually intercedes for us. Jesus at the right hand of the Father prays for us so that all his purposes for our lives, our salvation, our eternal glorification together with him will be fulfilled. Brothers and sisters, right now, you and I are decaying and dying. Death's pursuit of us is relentless. Death's power over us is overwhelming. It seems that our enemy in the end will win ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But brothers and sisters of Jesus, never forget, the ascension of Jesus Christ means that there is glorified dust in heaven. Glorified dust. Glorified humanity at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Our brother of glorified human flesh is there to guarantee that where he is, we too will be there also. He told us that he was going to prepare a place for us. He told us that because he lives we will live also. On the night before he was crucified for our sins, he prayed to his heavenly Father that we might be with him where he is in heaven so that we might see his glory. We will see it and not be destroyed. And therefore, dear brothers and sisters, therefore, because Jesus ascended into heaven and is exalted at the right hand of God the Father, we can be sure, we can be very, very sure in the words of Romans 8, 38 and 9, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, nothing, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you believe this? Because he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty and to his name be all praise, honor, and glory. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the glorious gospel 
of your Son, Jesus Christ, and his great work of salvation for us, by which we've been rescued from our helplessness and our hopelessness and filled with the hope of glory in union with Christ, our Savior. To the praise of your glorious grace, now and forever. Amen.